Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches. And honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. Betches Media presents Betches Moms with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Get ready to lock yourself in the bathroom or wherever else you hide from your kids because you'll literally never be alone again. Hello and welcome to the Betches Moms podcast. I'm Aileen. And I'm Brittany. And today we're joined by Jennifer Moness, parent slash child educator, founder of Mo Mommies, and co-founder and chief mom in charge at Union Square Play. Welcome, Jennifer. So happy to be here and so happy you introduced me appropriately as chief mom in charge of Union Square Play, <laughs> along with my partners. But yeah, and you can feel free to call me Jenny. <laughs> Jenny. Okay. Jenny, hi. I love the name, Chief Mom in Charge. <laughs> it's a That's great so title. Um, okay, so let's let's talk about Mo Mommies. I love your account. Yeah. What can you like? Why did you start it? What is it? What do you do on there? Your kids are adorable. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so yeah, I guess I'll start with how it it started. I was coming from working in preschools and daycares, and I noticed this real disconnect between the teachers and educators and administration and the parents. I was a teacher and education director, and I just felt like we were doing all these wonderful things with infants and toddlers, but the parents were sort of missing out or or sort of not really having their hand on the pulse of, of what was going on or how to connect with them in the ways that we were. They were always like, what do I do? Our child's experiencing X, Y, and Z. And, you know, there wasn't this way of really educating them. And I felt like we were, they were picking up their infants and toddlers, asking what they ate, what was in their diaper, and not really learning about what was going on to educate and engage them and sort of leaving that to us. And then I realized with my friends who were becoming moms, how much they wanted to know how to do that. And I think there before current day, you know, a few years ago, it was sort of like, I'll leave that to the educators and I'll just, do different things at home. And I think now we're realizing how much we can connect through all these amazing ideas. So 
that's how I thought I would start Mo Mommies was sort of educating parents on what they could do with infants starting from day one. And all the while I was going through IVF and experiencing this phenomenon of everyone does this. No one talks about how hard it is. Be stronger. You must, you know, be having a harder time because no one has complained about it before. And this sort of like inner dialogue of be stronger. Everyone's done it. And then I gave birth a month after I launched, launched Mo Mommies and realized, okay, this is also really hard and no one has told me about it. And I just think that now it's really amazing how open people are. And I hope I've contributed to that. So long story short, Mo Mommies was meant to just educate parents and has turned into just being real and open about the struggle and also the amazing parts of motherhood. Yeah. I mean, being a parent that consumes your content on the daily, I find it so helpful, not only that you're sharing this content, but you're kind of living it along with us because you have kids. Do you want to share your kids, your girls ages? Yes. Tess is three and a half and Nell is one and a half. Yeah. So it's, I having a three-year-old son, I feel like it lines up so well with a lot of what you're talking about and seeing just how demonstrative you are with everything. It just, it gives such good insight into parenting and like, especially seeing it in action. And also like, I feel like Mo Mommies has become a verb amongst my friends, <laughs> which I'm assuming like it's an, always my favorite thing. Yeah. To hear. Like, like you're like totally mo mommy and your kids right now. Oh. <laughs> That's so funny. So, okay. So speaking of mo mommy and your kids, like what is, so, so your content is mostly like helping parents learn how to yes. parent. So what is the, like, I don't want to say philosophy, but like, what is your approach? Like in how you go about mo mommying? <laughs> I'd say that it embodies all of what I said in terms of how it started, like this research-backed, experiential, having 12 years of experience living with infants and toddlers, zero to three years old in the classroom, having all of that, plus me going through it at the same time. So it's educational in terms of this is how you really connect with children. And I'll get into that in a second. But it's also, I think, digestible in the way that's like, I know this sounds easier said than done. And this is how I kind of struggle, but also navigate through those experiences. So I think it's really important to be open and real about that and not just sort of preach the things I believe in. Because when I became a mom, I knew of all these things based on my experience that I wanted to do. And I promise I'll get to it. But I, it sort of was really hard. Well, it was really hard to, to execute in those moments, even starting when they were very young. And so I felt it was important to talk about both. And I think I do that with all that I share. But I guess when people say you're so you're mo mommying right now. Uh, I'll ask Brittany maybe to elaborate, but I think it's more about probably setting up play really thoughtfully and in an open-ended way. So instead of things that maybe have one purpose or quintessential toys, they're probably more repurposed non-toys. And then maybe the other way people use that verb and again, these are assumptions because I sort of say it to myself, like, oh, you're actually doing what you preach. Um, it's allowing our children to feel and be 
their authentic selves without us sort of meddling and manipulating and, you know, redirecting and distracting um, all of that emotional turmoil that young kids experience a lot of because they're developing their emotional intelligence. So I'd yeah. say in both those ways. Yeah, that's exactly what we refer to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that when you you um like had your kids like painting on the floor and um, I liked that you were kind of like sharing the anxieties of parents, like painting on the floor while also sort of just like sh- sharing how to calm down at the same time for a, for a parent rather than just like, this is what you should do for your kids. So I thought that, that was yeah. really cool. Yeah, we talk about that a lot, how there's so many incredible ideas and then you'll you'll do them and, and your kid might just throw the whole thing. And so I like to give those disclaimers, you know, that instead of the amazing Pinterest worthy idea, kind of the steps along the way, both literally, but also the feelings that you have going through those activities. So how did you start with Union Square Play? How did this, did this come from Mo Mommies or was Union Square Play before Mo Mommies? So I'd say that it was sort of parallel my two partners who I'll mention in a second opened Union Square Play unbeknownst to me, you know, I didn't know them. And I met and I met Union Square Play about two months in. So one of the partners, Sandra DeCapua, took my parent infant toddler class. At the time, I was two months postpartum and decided to lead mom groups. So Mo Mommies was both this online Instagram account and blog, but also bringing moms together through a, a play group where I could guide parents on how to really connect with even their infants. So Sandra came with her eight week old, I think at the time, and we did the eight week class and she says she drank my Kool-Aid and she invited me to see her play space. And from there, I was like mind blown that this mom had a play space. She's in hospitality and opened a play space under their restaurant with my other partner, partner, Anthony Rudolph. And it really came from a place of them creating a space for what they needed. They needed a place to bring their children to and to take the best classes. And so they really had the intention of me just teaching there. And I, I sort of weaseled my way in by saying like, there's so much more we could do with this place and we need to bring all these ideas to life and make this a college campus for parents and, a home away from home. And so that's how that happened. I just, I just realized I, I looked it up earlier that I walked by the Union Square play like every single day on my way to work when we used to go to the office and I was like so intrigued by it, but I wasn't like pregnant at the time, but now I'm like, Oh damn, but I don't, I was just going to ask if you were <laughs> like, yeah, I literally walked by. I was like, this place looks so fun. I want to go. <laughs> yeah. I miss it a lot, but we'll be back. Um, And so you also launched uh, Parenting Plus, right? That's an app. So yes. So Union Square Play was this place for everyone to congregate and bond and connect and help each other. Kids took classes, we offered mom groups, and then COVID hit. um, And we just thought we moved really fast. We just said there, how can we still show up for these families? We, We just envisioned that instead of waking up and going to a Ramblin' Dan class, what were they going to do? And what were their parents going to tell them? And so we just provided that virtually. We had no idea 
that everything would move virtual. We just were like, we got to do this right now. And we saw how our reach widened drastically, obviously. And we didn't want to lose that even when we return in a physical way. So we launched Parenting Plus, which is an online platform where parents can sign up for mom groups, classes, but really what's so valuable about it since inevitably we're all gonna be back in person is that 24 seven you have access to each other and experts and play ideas and so forth. So it's, it's like an, I'd say an Instagram or a Pinterest or a Facebook group all in one that you have access to 24 seven specifically for parenting the union square play mo mommying way <laughs> yeah it sounds really helpful especially like you need those mom friends you need that's also like why we created betches moms you want to have connection to other people that are going through what you're going through and you need the support and the help that's so nice to have that it sounds awesome yeah and i realized that i was such a resource because of all the moms that i had met i've met right. as Brittany, you know she took my mom groups hundreds and hundreds of moms so while i can't be the expert in everything i can connect and instead of yeah. it just being through dms now it can be on this platform in the market for investment worthy bags watches and fine jewelry rebag is the answer Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So moving on a little bit, you mentioned how you have two girls. So how did you use your own advice to prepare for those changes and to prepare Tess, your older um, daughter, for Nell? I'd say that I, you know, really took to heart the things that I had told parents to utilize in terms of helping their children with any emotional struggle or change. So when there would be a new experience, I often would talk to parents about how they can kind of practice and rehearse these experiences, even just verbally and mentally. So, and ask questions, you know, announce what's going to be happening, but also say, how is that going to feel? Not only the literal sense of, oh, a baby's going to come, but how might that feel? Um, And sort of this way of of experiencing those emotions and the safety of just a conversation between mother, father, parent, and child before the real thing. I didn't do it too soon. You know, I I also felt it was important to have something tangible. And I even say that to parents who are moving or when their kids are going to start a new class that you don't want to say it months and months in advance, but maybe when you're able to show photos of the new house or you're able to bring them to the field where they're going to take soccer class. So Once I was showing and could say there's a baby in here, 
and could talk about the new room and things like that is when I chose to, to talk about it. We also did a lot of practicing with dolls and I, I made sure not to put pressure um, and add sort of charged comments around it. Like the baby's gonna be so, it's gonna be so amazing. You're gonna love the baby so much. Cause again, it goes back to not manipulating, you know, that's not right. for me to say how she'll feel. And so really allowing her to understand that whatever she feels is going to be okay. And I'm going to love her. I'm still going to be her mom. So using all these things that I talk about in other ways and applying it to this huge change that she experienced. So more just taking like the facts and speaking in terms that, that they understand, like there's going to be a baby in the house and you'll have a brother just like your cousins and kind of explaining it in that sense. Yeah. And showing maybe the sonogram photos, but saying and allowing her to understand that it's also her baby. We're all going to get a new baby. Mm -hmm. going to come and live with us and be part of our family. How do you think that might feel? And, you know, depending on the age, they might be silent, they might be playing and ignoring you, but it really does sink in. So having conversations around that, reading books that I would pause and relate, relate it to her, but yeah, kind of saying how much it was going to be hard because I'm one mom and we have one daddy and we're going to have two of you and, and talking about those things too. And also preparing for the literal things when it got closer, this baby's going to drink from mommy's boobies and you've never mm-hmm. seen that before. This baby's going to drink bottles and you don't drink from your bottles anymore. How's that going to feel when you see a bottle again or a passy? These, these big things that she went through, I didn't want her to feel like oh, now those things went to this new baby because I knew navigating the space and the toys and the, the, the attention of me and my husband were already enough of a, going to be enough of like a challenge. Yes. So technically it's like kind of like preparing the kids to deal with their emotions. Is that what you're, you're saying by asking them how they're going to feel? Is that kind of the general like approach that you do is, is, is not, not manipulating, telling them how they're going to feel, but really just kind of asking them. Yeah. And also, so asking them not for them to literally answer, but to say, let's focus on how it might feel for you inside. And that's how you kind of build or how you do build emotional intelligence. Otherwise a child can just kind of go through frustrated and not really understand why. And so asking those questions says, I care about how you're feeling inside for me, but also you can start thinking about how it feels inside. So it's preparing. Otherwise it's like, oh, there's this baby. It's so exciting. And you only really talk about the exciting stuff. But when you say, I wonder how it might feel, they can actually really, depending on age, think about that. You might say, mommy's going to have to go to the hospital and you won't see me. How might that feel? And then you see me and I'm with the baby, like actually really talking about some of the tougher times or how might it feel when we come home and the baby's drinking from mommy's movie. Like I just felt that was important because she tried to breastfeed. So it's why I keep bringing it up. Um, <laughs> I keep thinking that very, I was going to try. <laughs> <laughs> it felt very like hard for me to be like, no, this isn't for you because it was me only giving to the baby. So I yeah. just recommend preparing that. And also not just negative preparation, but also since I'm going to be feeding the baby, what can we create for you? And we created a treasure tray so that every time I breastfed, she had this tray that we created together, just me and her. So it was positive 
stuff that we connected on so that when she was in the moment, it was like, oh, this is what we talked about. Mommy knew this might be icky for me or hard or whatever, you know, she felt inside. And so it feels less surprising, which is often what children struggle with the most is I didn't expect this. What's happening? Why is this baby staying here? She, I hope, I mean, she was very young. She was 23 months. Instead of focusing on resisting, which of course happened, it was more starting to, to accept and, and go through the emotions. Do you think at first she kind of, like you were saying, she was very young. Like, I feel like my, my experience with Oliver will be a little different because he's going to be three. He'll understand much more, but do you think that she started to kind of put two and two together of what you were saying and then what was actually happening? Or it kind of felt like you had to start from scratch once you well, came home. There were moments of both for sure. I, I um, did a post on sort of the overarching emotional journeys we went through. And I think all of those journeys would have been harder had we not had the prep. So I wouldn't say it sort of completely immunized her right, so that it didn't right. impact her. But right. I always say when parents are like, I prepared for the doctor in the shop, but she still cried. I always say it might've been worse had you not, you know? So I think yeah. the preparation helped. Like there were times where she, you'll experience your toddler will want to be really close to the baby, but then we'll be like, no, I want the baby to leave, you know, resisting the baby, but then wanting to be part of every single thing, imitating the baby. There's all these things that they go through, but I'd like to think that it made those journeys through all of those stages that I saw her go through a little bit um, less shocking. So like switching to like play, since that's something that you talk about and um, show how you uh, how you you bring it to your children. Can you talk about like independent play and how you said like you don't like to you you don't intervene and it's not really like screen based. So can you just share that and how parents can like sort of take practical advice from this? Yes. When I talk about independent play, I think the people who know me well know it stands for so much more than just how to busy your children in their lives. I think it sets the foundation for so much more because it's one of the first things, it is the first thing they do when they're figuring out the world. They do it through play. And that might mean just moving their arms and legs. And so right from the beginning, when we are intervening so much and never putting the baby down, they miss out on those initial days of play, of realizing oh, I'm outside of a womb and I have space. So at every given stage, play really stands for figuring out the world. And so when a child is playing and we're waving toys and quizzing them and telling them what to notice and how to play, we're teaching them things about the world that I think interfere with who they might be and how they would figure out the world. If we're like, no, this is how you should play with this. And this is what you should notice. How about what they wanted to notice or what they wanted to use the material for? And then in terms of intervening in a, in a you know, how not to rescue way, I think there's times when a baby is just, you know, a toy is just out of reach and we're so quick to, to put it within reach when maybe part of their play was reaching 
and figuring out how to move their body. And so when we're just bringing everything to them, we're again, teaching something that says everything is brought to you. And those children, you know, obviously I don't want to say anything extreme might end up moving, you know, less quickly um, or rolling over less quickly. So not that we want faster, we just want in their own time. And so I think when we kind of intervene too much in that way, we miss out on a lot of opportunity to see who they are through their play. And then I talk about independent play, you know, parents are like, so how do I start? And so I recently said, start with what is sort of the no experience. So for instance, if a baby is trying to play with the wires or trying to play with outlet covers, use that as inspiration. Maybe you take a shoebox and you put outlet covers and little slits in the shoebox and you're you know, baby who's of the appropriate age can take those outlets out or you take silicone cords and, and put them in a heap the same way, um, you know, cables and cords are put together and they can play that way. You find out what they're interested in without making everything no. Right. And so like, as they get older, like what are some things that you could do for your kids that kind of encourage this type of play that doesn't include these electronic toys and things that you would buy in a store? I think it comes down to what you provide in your own home. My children go to friends' homes or out into the real world and of course love the electronic toys, but that doesn't make me think, oh, I need to get that for us at home. Right. And similar to when I bring them to Target and they're begging for this or that toy, I have confidence that they're able to accept and not miss out on anything by me saying, we're not going to get that. And saying, what else can we think of that you might like here that we can play with over and over in so many different ways and sort of helps them to appreciate the difference between an electronic toy and a toy that's more open-ended. And then I also, when I set up their play, it's not something where I kind of, I, I don't tell them what to do. So for instance, it's not a Lego set at this age and telling them to create X, Y, and Z, but it might be suggested things like putting blocks next to cars and seeing what they do and come up with it and honoring whatever they come up with and talking about the process of what they come up with rather than, wow, that's, you built a whole city, you know, and, and focusing exactly on what the end result was she might show me something and I'll be like, how did it feel to build that? And so I try and focus on the process. And over time, they start to appreciate how the process is the play and it's not necessarily right. the end. Right. One thing I find that um, I struggle with the most is when Oliver is playing and he gets super frustrated. Like if he's playing with his wood train set and he's trying to fit them together and I struggle with, do I help him? Do I talk him along? Do I just do it? What would you suggest a parent do in those situations? This is one of the hardest things and just know that it's a stage. There's going to be frustrations in life, of course, but it's, you're at an age where it's, very heated when they're playing and things don't go the way they want to during the play. And I had to sort of troubleshoot through that. Of course, I know on paper, don't intervene, let them figure it out. But that's really hard when they're screaming and throwing things. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think figuring out what is age appropriate, of course, and then when they're struggling, of course, even if it's age appropriate, they might struggle because it doesn't go exactly how they want. Talking about that you really want the trains to connect and they're just not connecting right now. 
That's so hard. And like taking deep breaths. And then I sometimes will talk about something in my own life or when I was a kid and something didn't work out. And it sort of isn't about fixing the frustration, but connecting with the frustration. I think when we fix it so easily, we're almost worsening it. We're saying, look how easy it is to do this. I'll just do it for you. And so then they're even more frustrated when they can't do it the next time. And so that's what motivated me to not fix in the moment because I wasn't helping for the next time. Instead, I would be like, I hate when that happens. And then they would almost laugh like mommy hates a strong word, but mommy gets frustrated too. And I would model it when I would be cooking or doing other things and I would get annoyed too. And so I think it just shows how powerful that is that one of the things that frustrates them the most in play is everyone knows how to do this and I can't and I need this to happen so quick. And so when we help, we only increase that feeling, but not help, but when we rescue. So then how do you then like, okay, so you don't do it for them, right? You share the frustration. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So in, in, in addition to just relating and solidarity and all those things I said, I might talk about narrate. So the reason I'm, I'm hesitating is because I guess it depends on what it is. If it's a puzzle and she can't get in, I might say that way doesn't fit. Should we try turning it a few times? And then she might turn it. We might make up a song about turning it. Or if it's a tower and things keep falling down, I might say it's so tall and it gets really hard for things to balance the taller they are. And then I might wait and depending on age, she might then think, okay, so maybe I'll build another tower next to it instead of just adding all these blocks to that. So I, I scaffold is, is the educational term, giving just a little bit, just the minimal amount of intervention for them to still own it. And if it gets still too frustrating, I might say, I'm not going to do it for you because you know that feeling when you did X by yourself and you worked so hard, I don't want to take that away from you. I want to help you to do it. And so we might take breaks from it, you know, should we take a break from this and try again later? And we will go back. That doesn't mean people are like, isn't that giving up? And I think it's the opposite. The same way in a moment of putting together one of those like absurd kitchen sets, we might be like, oh, I can't do it and and just give up. But instead, if we're like, okay, I'm getting frustrated, I'll come back to it. That lessens our, our inclination to give up. Just going back to like some of the toys that we were, you mentioned going to a toy store. So what are the things that you do like to buy or like you have in your house for your kids versus things you kind of stay away from? Yeah, I was thinking about this actually, as I was going through doing a spring cleaning of the whole play area and how much there's times where it, it can veer off depending on what people get us or what my husband caves and gets them. But I'd say when I go to a store and I'm actually going to film this, for our platform, just navigating a a target run with your kid and and what I think about. I think about how can something be used over and over? And if it's only in one way, I I won't get it. And it's nuanced how I might respond in that moment, but I might talk about, you know, how I'm not going to get that toy for you. I know you played with it at X person's house, but if we get that toy, you'll play with it a few times and then you might not want to play with it in that way anymore. But if we get something like blocks or kinetic sand or Play-Doh, there's so many different ways we can play with it. And that is a way of kind of, you know, 
she now appreciates those toys more. And maybe it's because I put them on a pedestal, but I think it's because she sees that she keeps coming back to those toys. Um, and, and then of course there's the whole discussion of we don't get a toy every time we go to the store, but that's a different topic. But yeah, I think what I look for Tommy, is, yeah, yeah what's that? that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about, so we, um, we had a lot of gifts recently. I don't need to talk about all the reasons why. So she woke up one day and was like, I want something. And I was like, we're going to have breakfast. Yeah. And she, I didn't know what she meant. And she was like, no, I want a toy. I was like, it feels so good to get a new toy. I love when I get a new shirt. You see how happy mommy gets when a shirt comes in the mail. And we go and get it. And I do that. I was like, but that feeling we can get from other things too. Not by getting a new toy every day. Let's look in your playroom at some things we haven't played with in a really long time and do something new with it. And so that's what we'll do. And so when we're in the middle of the toy store, she might keep saying, I want this, I want that, I want this. And I'll, I'll talk about that. And, and we might play a game, you know, do what I just said, but we might play yeah. game, like, let's talk about all the things that you do love that we already have at home. Um, and then the other thing that I learned that doesn't work for us, but that some people do is take a picture of it to maybe get it a later time. I, I learned that that can help people, but I really try to make them moments that I can connect with her because I think that fills them in a way that is even more valuable than the toy would. That's interesting. Yeah, that is, I'm going to have to try that because we have a target issue going on in this house. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, maybe you could help me with an issue I brought up um, on one of our solo episodes the other day. I had started a um a prize box for Oliver because he was coming out of his bed really early and I did the red light green light thing on his hatch night light and I said if you wait for the green light and you come into mommy and daddy's bed once the light turns green I'll have a prize for you and my biggest mistake was that I went right to the prize box and I didn't do something before that like a chart or just like verbal praise so now he is expecting a present every morning um, but actually, so Aileen suggested, which actually worked kind of well, and it, I think it's been working a little bit better, was to tell him that he graduated and that we don't get presents anymore because he graduated. And I related it to the pre-K class in his school that just graduated. So he like kind of understood. Do you have any um, approaches to this maybe for like anybody else who's struggling with this issue? Yeah. And I think that when... So just like stepping back for a second, similar to the target boundary setting, I think when we go into it, like, oh my God, what am I going to do? They're just never going to be able to work through this, this no, or, you know, you can't have that toy or no, you're not going to get a prize that permeates. So Mm -hmm. really going into it, they are going to be able to accept this boundary. They may have a tantrum about it. They may not, but I absolutely know that they can accept it. And so that shifts everything. I just think that's so important to say. And and sometimes I need to like radically convince myself. And I'm always like shocked that she got to the other end so quickly. Um, so I would say I love the graduating part, but another thing could be just setting the boundary. Um, <laughs> it's up know. to you. I, I, it might feel a little bit like I told you so, which I don't like, but there's times when I 
will say, we don't, we don't get a toy every day. And I don't know if that's condescending or not, but I think it helps to be realistic, you know, because I think what you run into is, and I'm not saying this is going to happen. It's one time, right? Let's say there was another time where he gets a prize. I know he's already potty trained, but let's say he wasn't and you did the prizes. He might be like, why aren't I getting a gift? I'm not graduating. And so it just can turn into where like that can no longer work. Right. Rather than we, if you choose to use gifts and, and treats and things like that, you know, that's one of the issues of why it's hard, but let's say you've already done that. Um, talking about how it feels inside, bringing it back to that. I know you get a toy every time you wake up, but how does it feel when you, you follow the light and you come out when it's the right time? And he might just be like, no, I want the prize. But if you ask (laughs) enough times, he'll say good. It feels good to be able to to do something like that, responsible, whatever you want to use as words. And I, I talk a lot about how does it feel inside? Tess will be like, I love what I'm wearing today. And I'll be like, how does it feel inside? And I think it's because of things like that, that you want them to fixate right. more on, on that. Right. Just kind of like repeating, like it'll be hard at first, but like repeating it, repeating right. it. Will get but I think the graduating is great. I just don't want you to feel like you have to have like something like that for each time. Yeah. Cause then he'll start to, <laughs> he's going to be like going to college by the time he's five. <laughs> yeah. I'm graduating again. I mean, you can't say you learned how to use the potty. So we don't even need the presents anymore because you are getting a present each time you go. You're growing and you get high five. Like you can substitute right. with other things. Right. That's great yeah. too. And have to try, try all these things. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything else kind of like we didn't touch on in terms of like advice for parents, um, whether they're navigating play or just navigating their kids in emotional intelligence that you can share? So I think similar to how I approach children when they're struggling or going through something hard, instead of trying to fix what they're going through. And when a parent comes to me with, with a struggle, instead of trying to just offer unsolicited advice, I like to join them if it's authentic. So when my child's struggling, if I have experienced what they felt before, I might say, I know how hard that feels when a parent comes to me before I dive into advice and guidance, I really talk about how hard that must feel. And I also want parents to know that while I can offer all of this advice and guidance based on my own parenting and all the years I spent living with children in the classroom, I I smile because that's like where I learned everything more than any master's degree, um, that they're the expert in in their parenting journey and for their child. So I sort of like to give guidelines on how to figure out how to connect with your particular child rather than do this, it will work. I hope to inspire parents to think more broadly on how to connect with their child in the most optimal ways and to trust themselves. Yeah. I like that because, you know, all parents are, all people are always looking for answers externally, but like, you know, your kid the best. Right. Um, So maybe I offer that confidence boost to say, I didn't really know either. And I I knew all this stuff out there, but sometimes you have to just go with your gut. Right. And there's really no one way of doing anything. So, um, but yeah, I like that a lot. Um, well, 
Thank you so much, Jenny. Um, where, so where can people, our listeners, learn more, follow, go to? Yes, thank you guys for having me. And all the things that I've talked about are really what Parenting Plus is about. You know, my team jokes that it's it's me at scale, meaning not me available to more people, but me and all the people that I resonate with connecting and being there for each other. So you can access that on unionsquareplay.com and sign up for Parenting Plus. You can follow me at Mo Mommies and Union Square Play at Union Square Play. Thank you guys so much. I love talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And that is it for this episode of Betches Moms podcast. Everyone, please go follow Mo Mommies, um, Union Square Play. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell all of your friends, tell your entire mommies group about this podcast. And follow us on Apple and Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow Betches Moms on Instagram. I'm at Aileen. Brittany is at Brit Rich. And remember, there are no rules on this podcast. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom, right, Regina? Please stop talking. The Betches Moms podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Stacey Wong. Social media by Brittany Levine. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Moms on Instagram and send us your emails to moms at betches.com. Betches.